Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Cordimus. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, Davy Crockett. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. your host, Don Q. Alright, how's everybody doing out there today? It's Sunday, March 12th, 2023. Let's get the music going, let's go! How's everybody doing out there today? Like I said, it is Sunday, March 12th, 2023. <sighs> How's everybody doing out there today? Hope everybody, everyone is staying safe and is counting their change because it appears to be the shit's about to hit the fan. We'll get into that in just a minute. Um, I'm going to tell you about our other sponsor to the show, but I understand if you guys just give me the big middle finger because uh, I really don't expect you to spend any money right now. But anyway, here we go. <laughs> Christian Lawson watches. Check them out at ChristianLawson.com. Use promo code DTOM. Get 30% off at checkout. And that's it. I'm not really uh, going to dwell on the on the uh, sponsorships. And, I, and the reason I say that is, if you guys have been paying attention the last couple of days, we might very well be fucked. All right. I'll see you guys next time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's not funny, actually. But, um... A couple of things, guys. I want to go over uh, how, especially, let me put it this way. If you're new to this show, okay, if you're a newer listener to this show, um, I did a show back on August 29th of uh, 2021, okay? I labeled that the uh, next Great Depression. And uh, so you're talking about a year and a half ago I did this show. Let me see if I can uh, pull that up and play a little excerpt from that. I probably won't be able to do that. I probably should have had this in the hopper while I was uh, 
getting everything prepared. But you know me, I'm <laughs> late to the party once again. But anyway, so um, we're gonna we're gonna do a show today. I don't know how long I'm gonna go. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it could be thirty minutes. Could be an hour. Could be six hours. No, I'm joking. Um, and the reason I say that is because of this. I'll probably be doing another show on Monday, the 13th, and I'll explain to you why in just a minute. So, But in the meantime, what I need you guys to do is, if you haven't already, please follow the show, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Um, go ahead and subscribe, uh, follow, whatever the button is there. It doesn't cost you anything. I don't do those fancy uh, Patreons, and I'm going to charge you for... Uh, for um you know content like i said i'm trying to build a brand here and uh trying to um get more sponsors obviously uh if 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 at all possible if, if the uh economy of this country doesn't collapse in the next couple of weeks i'm just trying to uh bring you information as i find it as i see it and my ideas that are in my head um for free you know, so if you guys could just please do me a favor, follow the show, and then just equally as important, please share this with your friends. Um, I know we do have a tendency to get political on the show. Um, it, it is what it is. Obviously, I feel some sort of way about Democrats, and uh, but I'm not saying that Republicans uh, are safe from my uh, from my venom, so to speak. So um, just follow the show. Follow us on social media. If you have a social media account of any kind, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, we're on there at Don't Tread on America, and on uh, Twitter at DTom underscore 1775, and me personally is PCGC underscore 1775. And then, like I said, if you don't have a social media platform, that's fine. You can find us on the interweb at DontTreadOnAmerica.com, and there you can get updates, show updates, and whatnot. But... I think equally just as important, if you aren't on social media, if you don't want to subscribe to the website, I get it. Um, you're listening to the podcast. The best way to get updates. Now, granted, I try to stay true to the three days a week. I try to do the Sunday or Monday, uh, Wednesday, Friday. The reason I'm telling you to, to subscribe is there's a very good chance if things happen tomorrow that look like might actually happen tomorrow, I might break in here and do a, a quick little show just to you know, update you guys on some stuff. Now, granted, we do have a chunk of listeners that are listening to us from all across the world. Um, even though the show is called Don't Tread on America, the things that are happening right now are not a an American thing, or American-only thing, I should say. This is a a thing that is going to affect us all. And, and we've talked about it time and time again. Um, trying to find the spot on this show. I think it was around 13 minutes here. But <clears throat> once the loans so, came due and once everything started coming due. So this was back in. Oops. I don't know why it started over. This was back in um, March. I'm sorry. April, Don, fucking read. God bless it. August. Of 21, Jesus Christ. Um, I'm just going to play this excerpt from the show, so I encourage you to go back and listen to it real quick. We can talk over this here. And, and it, it wasn't just an American.
to you know Amer- you know to people to everyone we're <laughs> we're literally literally pissing money away which is causing inflation well the same thing happened in the 1920s and and it, it wasn't just an american thing the, the great depression was not an american thing i mean much of us think of it as such but it was show a, was labeled the new great thing. depression if you want to listen to it and the same it. things happening if you, if you really think about it, if you look at the history of um of what happened then and what ha- what's happening now now it's really it's important to listen to what i'm about to say so here because the first world war ended this was a year and a half and, ago um, we're still in the middle of covid at this point thereafter is when the spanish I'm giving you a breakdown and then like I, like i just said so you're into the 1920s people spending government spending inflation hyperinflation germany <clears throat> at the time uh went into hyperinflation and i can i i want to say that their money was essentially the equivalent a uh, 1 us dollar was worth i think it was a million uh Deutschmarks, whatever the German money was called back then. So you figure if you're a German and you have a million, two million, three million Deutschmarks, it seems like a lot of money to us because you're you're throwing the word million on the backside, but it was literally three dollars in America. So um, the the money was basically worthless. People might have had all this money, you know, paper money, because it was a situation where Germany was trying to fix itself. So what they were doing was printing money to get out of the situation. America was doing the same thing. But once the loans came due and once everything started coming due, uh, the housing market crashed. People stopped buying cars. People people stopped buying anything. Um, These these companies that were constantly creating stuff for people to buy now had all this inventory and nobody was buying anything because the money was worthless or things cost so much that you might have had what you thought was a lot of money but it really wasn't worth anything so what happened in germany was (laughs) the way out of it basically was they voted in hitler um And, you know, so it's very key that you understand what I'm talking about. This was a year and a half ago, and I was looking um, at the trends about America, what was going on in 1920 after the after the Spanish flu and the things that led to the Great um, Depression. So which you had World War One, it worked, right? Then you had what it was, was then you had uh, us, the Spanish you know, flu in 1918, which was eerily similar to what we went through with COVID. And then, for the most part, so we shut the economy down until, during the Spanish flu, you know, and to get things running again, we did, we spent money, we, we, we drowned or flooded the economy with dollar bills, we printed money, we did everything to get everyone spending money again. similarities from 100 years ago to today. If you really, if you really sit there and look, if you, if you look up the Spanish flu, how it started, where it started how it spread, the percentages of the death rate, the <laughs> infectious rate. I mean, the numbers, obviously the numbers aren't mirrored, if, but if you look at the percentages, the percentages are quite shocking. I think the death rate was a .08, similar to what the uh, COVID numbers are. Obviously, the overall numbers are a lot different because um, the population was a lot lower back then. 
I'm going to skip ahead here. But um, are controlling this. And these are the same names that were involved. Knows that name. You know Bill Gates. You know these. These are just play or two, so on and so forth. And you got to ask the question, is it a situation where they do these things? Is this, you know, we talked about COVID 2029. In 1929, in October, you had Black Thursday, the stock market crash, because people that had bought a shit ton of stock saw the trends and they sold. Well, and the stock market crashed. Thus, that is the what everyone will tell you if you ask just a random person on the street how, you know, what happened, what was the Great Depression, how did it start? That a lot of them will give you that date. They'll tell you it was 1929, the stock market crashed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, in retrospect, it actually probably started more in like 1918 with the Spanish flu. Because like I said, they, uh, shit, that's good. Um, they, uh, um, sorry, I just got a thing come across on news bulls and another explosion in Kabul. So uh, I guess we'll have to see what's going on with that. Um, you had the Spanish flu, so it, like I said, it shut down the economy, shut down this, stay at home, wear your mask. And it, like I said, it wasn't an American thing, it was, it was across the globe. Fast, you know, and then you go into a wartime situation. So you had um, <clears throat> the pandemic, you know, back then ended in 1920 uh, to get the economy going. They dumped all this money into to whatever notice. to try and get people doing what we're doing now. We're trying to get the economy going, we're dumping all this money into, the, into people's pockets to spend, 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 to try and pump the economy up. But what we're really only doing is causing inflation. Go buy a gallon of milk if you, if you don't already know. Go buy, you know, anything. Go buy gas. Go buy this. Go buy that. It's just expensive because of the fact that we're printing money, printing money. You can't just, if it's not backed, it's not worth anything. The, um, <clears throat> what's going to end up happening, what, what the idea is, if, if this is the beginning of the Great Reset, it's almost like you got to tear it down and build it up. So you start with the pandemic. So 1918, 1919, you start with the pandemic. It's posse there, you know. <clears throat> okay, so I'm, I'm not going to keep playing that. But the reason I'm playing that is because we all saw what happened on Thursday. And, you know, so what exactly did happen on Thursday to Silicon Valley Bank? So I, ha I found this clip. Now, this is uh, Peter St. Onge. Onge. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing the name wrong. But um, he's an economist from the Heritage Foundation. I'm going to play this video that he put out on his Twitter. It's about four minutes long, so yeah, just so check this you've out. You've probably heard about the Silicon Valley Bank going under. And now there's speculation whether the FDIC is going to step in and bail them out. And also whether there's going to be spreading contagion to the banking system. So just very briefly, what happened here is that normally a bank has your deposits and those deposits from the bank's perspective are debt. Okay, and then the bank also has loans that it put out. So in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, and these are rough numbers just to kind of give a picture. So in their case, they had something like 210 billion in deposits and then they had more than that in loans. So something like 230, all right. That would then give something like a $20 billion gap. Now that gap is called their equity, okay? So if they had 230 in loans out, okay, in other words, in assets, and only 210 in deposits, then that 20 billion, you divide that by the 210 and they'd have something like a 9% uh, equity ratio. So you would say, okay, good, they're in business, they're worth more than their debts. 
Now, what happened is that a lot of their holdings were in long government bonds, meaning government bonds that go like 20 years. And over the past year, those government bonds have lost value, okay, because interest rates have come up so quickly. So what that meant is that rather than being at you know 230 billion in assets and something like uh, 210 in deposits, the assets came down. So now there's something like 200 billion. All right. So at that point, they are bankrupt. They're out of business. Now what happened, or what what the sort of uh, you know bank champions are trying to push is they wanted. The government to step in and essentially rehouse Silicon Valley Bank by passing it over to one of the major banks on Wall Street. And so that's the big contention. That's what the, the Wall Street banks uh, presumably would have preferred. They could have picked up this you know, reckless bank for a song. But in fact, now a lot of people are worried that the government missed their chance to do that and that at this point there's going to be more contagion. Now, the question I think for a lot of people at this point is, is this going to spread, right? Is this going to bring down the entire banking system? And the issue here is how unique was Silicon Valley Bank? So Silicon Valley Bank was very widely respected. It was a prestige bank in Silicon Valley. You sort of hadn't made it until you had an account at Silicon Valley Bank. And in fact, they would blow off small depositors, right? So if you were like a brand new startup and you reached out to Silicon Valley Bank, their attitude would be, eh, you're small fry, come back when you're bigger. That means that almost none of Silicon Valley's deposits are actually covered by the FDIC, right? The FDIC is the government sort of bank insurance program that covers your bank account if your bank fails. They only go up to 250,000. Almost all of the money at Silicon Valley Bank, which is on the order of 210 billion, almost none of that would be covered by that little tiny slice there, right? So there are a lot of Silicon Valley companies now where they can't, if this doesn't get resolved quickly, then they can't make payroll. They're going to go under. Some of those companies are Web 3.0. Now, this is where it's important. So pay attention to what he's processing. about to say here. Okay. So then you get this cascade effect where any company that's relying on them is now in trouble as well. And then, of course, the wider issue here is that what brought Silicon Valley Bank down. Yes, it's true that they're in, you know, they're in Silicon Valley. They've got a lot of tech customers. Tech has been hurting recently. But the underlying problem, right, what caused that, you know, 230 to go to 200, that was almost all from government bonds losing their value. And so th this is going to be true for every bank in America to more or less extent. So Silicon Valley Bank might have gone first. It might have been the weakest gazelle on the savannah because it had all this woke stuff on it, but almost every bank in America is going to have these kinds of risks. And so really, I think there's a good chance that we're at a Lehman moment here, similar to what happened in 2008, where the government has to decide if they're gonna bail out a bunch of crony billionaires who've been operating fractional reserve and ripping people off, or are they gonna stand back and let it collapse? George W. Bush let Lehman go down. That shocked Wall Street, it scared them, okay? If regulators don't step in and bail out these cronies, then we could see a pretty frosty week next week. All right. So, in essence, what you're going to see tomorrow on Monday, if, and I'm not encouraging that this happens because I'm torn between kind of you, you get what you get and 
not getting fucked. I mean, sorry for the language, but it is what it is. The The good thing is, is I'm not rich enough. <laughs> so if you caught the part with the FDIC. So the FDIC is basically the federal deposit uh, insurance company. Okay? Depository insurance company, something like that. And what they do is they insure bank accounts up to $250,000. So, now this is an American thing, guys. I'm sorry for you guys across the globe that are listening to this. I don't know how the, your countries deal with these things, but in, in America, this is how it is. So, barring the fact that you have more than $250,000 in the bank, you should be okay. Now, I would assume that the majority of the people listening to the show are not in that boat, because I know I'm surely not. As long as I'm, I'm well under that two hundred fifty thousand dollar mark, um, and and the good thing is, and I don't know how many how many of you guys do the same thing, but what me and my wife do is we have separate bank accounts. She has her money, I have my money. She pays her bills, I pay my bills. We split the other bills, and um, I will say this about that: not that you might have already missed that boat. But it's something that if you don't do that now, you might want to look at that, especially if you do earn a certain amount of money and you might have deposits in that in that range. Not that not that I'm saying me and my wife combined have that number. I'm not saying that, but it's a smart thing to do, in my opinion. If you trust your wife, if your wife trusts you, if you're you know, and I guess I shouldn't just assume that all men listen to this. I I know for a fact that women do. So if you trust your husband, there's no reason why you shouldn't or couldn't have, you know, your own bank accounts. I mean, there's there's no reason to not. I mean, in my opinion, I, I have no ill will and I don't think my wife's doing anything shady and I believe that she doesn't think I'm doing anything shady. So, you know, whatever. But essentially, what we're looking at is this. So... This is out of The Verge, uh, whatever that is. I, I just was looking up stuff to find out the fall of Silicon Valley Bank and what does that mean for us. Like if you, I, and and I'm, and I'm probably missed the boat. I'll be honest with you. But one thing I'm going to look at here, assuming we don't immediately fall into a, a Great Depression tomorrow. Um. And I'm not saying that jokingly. I'm not being haste. I'm looking at history. Similar things happened in 1929, Black Tuesday. Okay, people are. If you if you're on Twitter, if you follow things, if you look at trends, Black Monday, Black Monday is trending. Uh, Great Depression Monday is trending. Now, granted, stupid things trend. I get it, but um. I might be looking at moving my money, you know, my bank account to to like a not so much a local bank because I think the idea would be, in my opinion, and I'm not a financial expert by any stretch of the imagination, so don't quote me and don't use me for any kind of ideas. It's just me speaking, but it looks like I'm probably going to start moving my money into a, into a, a coffee can in the backyard now. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to get to a credit union. And the reason I say that is they're, they're, uh, 
there's there's benefits. There's benefits to both, obviously. If you bank at Bank of America or Wells Fargo or, or Chase or one of these banks, you obviously, as nationwide, you have more options. If you bank at a credit union, you're limited, obviously. If you if you take money out of an ATM, you might see, if you're on vacation somewhere and you might get fees, you might do whatever. But basically, they're the same. They're insured differently, credit unions versus banks. Um, I feel like a credit union might be more safe than a bank. And I'm not even saying, let's go to, uh, I don't know any examples, but just a small bank. Like, personally, prior to this happening, I had never heard of Silicon Valley Bank. I'm thinking, okay, well, they're a small bank. Well, no, they're the fucking, what, eighth largest bank in the country. Okay, I, I never knew that. And like he said, the thing with Silicon Valley Bank, which is really going to fuck their, his, their clients, is the majority of those people have deposits, you know, have, have money in their bank higher than 250000 So they're not going to be guaranteed. And they didn't even take, so like Joe, you know, schmucks like us that are the guys that me included that I'm doing the show and you guys that are listening, you, um, you get your paycheck deposited every week or every two weeks, however you get paid. And, you know, I would assume a lot of us live paycheck to paycheck, you know, it's like, okay, I'm getting paid this week. I'm going to pay whatever bills. And, you know, I got some money for gas and food. Okay, cool. I get paid again next Friday. And, uh, they wouldn't take people like us my issue is i bank with bank of america you know is is shit gonna hit the fan there tomorrow i mean god i hope not because i mean even though i don't go past that two hundred fifty thousand dollar threshold i don't want them to go <laughs> go out of business and then i'm and then i'm having to wait to get and i don't know how all that works god forbid but so um Essentially, let me see if I can find it here. So what happens to the customers at Silicon Valley? Uh, most banks are insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Government agency has been around since the Great Depression. So, of course, the accounts at Silicon Valley Bank were insured, but only up to 250000 So, And that's what the, that gentleman was saying, that if you have a million dollars or more, or I guess $251,000, you are pretty much screwed. So, um, and it says here about 90% of the deposits were uninsured as of December of 22. So the problem there is, like he was saying, is a lot of your tech companies banked with Silicon Valley Bank. Now, obviously, I don't know who, but he was, he made a mention there that you might have some, like you've probably seen these commercials on TV, um, different payroll companies. If you own a small business, and let's say you you employ twenty people, versus you, you know Bob Johnson, the you know of Johnson's Plumbing, let's just say, and you employ twenty people, whether they're plumbers, laborers, whatever, versus you, a guy that might not know a whole hell of a lot about uh, payroll and taxes and I nines and all that shit that goes along with running a business, you might employ one of these tech companies, one of these payroll tech companies to handle your paychecks, your payroll processing. So you have 20 employees plus yourself. Let's say what I would do if I own my own business, I would 
I would probably have one of these companies also. And the reason that is, is the way it works, essentially, just to kind of give you a basic idea, whatever your business is, I'm just saying you got Joe the plumber, okay? And he has 20 people working with him, plus himself, so there's 21. Essentially, the way it works is you deposit all your money into that bank. So as you do jobs and as, um, you know, as you bring income in from doing jobs, from doing plumbing jobs, that goes into that bank, okay, or into that, not necessarily a bank, but into that payroll company. Then that payroll company assesses your money and then they say, okay, well, Billy and Jimmy and Bobby and Susie and whoever, they worked 40 hours, they worked 45 hours, whatever they worked, and they get paid X amount of dollars per hour, they cut their paycheck. So then the paycheck comes from, uh, you know, McGillicuddy Jones payroll processing, whatever, Boom. Now, if that company, if McGillicuddy Jones Payroll Processing Company was a customer at Silicon Valley Bank, they just went out of business. If their holdings were more than $250,000, which one would assume that if they were doing multiple businesses, they are, they might have just gone out of business. Their holdings may have just been lost, which is your holdings because you're giving them your money to process these things kind of understand what I'm saying so now if you have Bob you know Joe the plumber and his 20 people their paychecks may bounce their deposits won't show up that's where you're going to have a trickle-down effect from these types of things so a lot of small businesses use across the country not just in California across the country use these um tech payroll processing things you see the commercials i don't know names off the top of my heads but i know i've seen them where they encourage small businesses with 20 30 40 50 employees whatever to use them and it and i I get it because it takes the headache off of you versus you running a business trying to pay the bills but let's say you run a restaurant and you have to pay the suppliers and now you got to write checks to pay your employees it just may i get it. it makes it easier that's where we're looking at now. If the government doesn't step up tomorrow, Monday morning, and do an emergency something or another, you're going to see an issue. Now, like he said, in 08, Bush said, we're not bailing out Lehman Brothers. They failed. They got broken up into pieces. They got bought up by other banks. But it wasn't instant. In the meantime... Wall Street freaked out. People freaked out. You saw in 08, if you recall, the housing market crashed. You couldn't buy a car. I mean, literally. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you a little inside baseball. Okay. In 2008, 15 years ago, okay, I was going through some things, had been divorced. Um, credit wasn't the best. Okay. Um, my wife that I'm with now, we were dating at the time, and uh, I had a I had had a leased a vehicle. Okay, leased a vehicle under the under the guides of, and it was a Ford. I'll, I'll tell you. So I, I had a Ford Mustang. My kids were getting too big to fit in the back, so I traded it in and and bought a, a Ford Explorer truck, sport track, whatever it was called. Um, 
was was encouraged by the dealer to lease the car because I don't put miles on cars. I don't. I have a Mustang now. I have a 2017 Ford GT. Mustang GT. Right? 2017. Bought it back in 2017. <laughs> so what's that? Six years old. I've got 32,000 miles on that car. Okay? And I'm not bragging about how I got a Ford GT. I'm not saying I, whatever. Um, point being is I don't put miles on cars. We have a Jeep 2020. 32,000 miles. They both have 32,000 miles. So you think I have a Jeep that's three years old has 32,000 miles. I have a Mustang that's six years old has 32,000 miles. So you get the idea. Anyway, I was encouraged by the dealer to lease. So I should lease. Lease the car. Because that way in like two, I think it was a, was it a two-year lease? I think it was a two-year lease. So that way in two years, you can bring it back and just trade in for whatever you want. You know, it's whatever they call it, a red carpet lease, whatever. You just come in and say, here's the keys. We want that. Now, this was in 07 that I did this. Lease the car. Cool. Sounds like a great idea. Lease was up. In the meantime, all this bullshit happened in 08. And you had the stock, you had the stock market go funky. You had the housing market. Shit a brick. You had... Car dealers, or not dealers, but car companies, so like GM, Dodge, you know, all these American car uh, manufacturers were bailed out by the government. The only company that didn't take the bailout was Ford, which I had leased a Ford Explorer Sport Track, right? Because I'm a Ford guy, okay? It's just what it is. It is what it is. You can be a Chevy person. I don't care. It's just I'm a Ford person. I've had a ton of Mustangs, you know, yada, yada, yada. That's if you are a car person, you understand what I'm saying. Some people are Ford people, some people are Chevy people, some people are Dodge people. That's just how it is. That's America. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, you, um, so anyway, so the lease was up. I think it was a three year lease. So now you're talking 2010. Um, credit wasn't the best. Okay. Went into the dealership. Not that I had like a 500 credit score or whatever it was. Six something. And they literally told me that you were not, that not one person in this country was going to get a car loan unless they had at least, the dude told me this, at least an 800 credit score. Do you know the percentage of people in this country that have an 800 or greater credit score? It's like 1%. Okay, I mean, basically, if you have 800 or better credit score, you have per what they call perfect credit. Um, mine was well below that. So I was pretty much fucked. Um, we probably, in all honesty, are going to see that again very, very soon. Very, very soon. Because what happened in 08... The reason the car manufacturers needed the bailout. The reason Ford wasn't loaning cars. <laughs> okay, you buy a car now. Go buy a car right now. If you have, you understand. You're looking at anywhere from 5 to 8% it with good or better credit. And I'll tell you this. <laughs> we just bought a Mazda, whatever, SUV. Um, To be able to, whatever. We went to buy it. We, between me and my wife, now we have great credit. 
what the fuck, 6%? Are you crazy? So we ended up leasing it to get a better deal because we just wanted another vehicle to keep miles off the other cars. And, uh, but nonetheless, it was like the guy told us, you know, with y'all's credit, two years ago, you would have 0%. But, and then used cars are even worse. Used cars are still expensive. And the, and the percentage is 2% higher than what a new car is. We are seeing the beginning of some real shit. God help you. If you're listening to this, at least if you listen, if you're in America and you're listening to this, God help you if you need a car. If your car is on the verge of breakdown or whatever, you better, please, you better have a friend that's a mechanic because I'm telling you right now, you can't go buy a car. You can't buy a house. You can't refinance your house. Um, the good news is, if you want to look at the, the bright side, if you're not, let me, how, how do I want to phrase this? If you're not trying to sell your house, this is good news. If you're not trying to sell your house, the housing market's about to crash, guys. Good news is, if you're a buyer, just be patient. Like I told my son, we went shooting yesterday, and him and his wife are, you know, rent so damn high, and right now, he's living with his mom. They have a, a loft above their garage, so it's not like he's living with his mom. But the wife and the kid and him are, are staying in the, the, like a mother-in-law suite, I guess you'd call it. It's one bedroom, whatever. And... uh you know, he's like, I don't know what to do. You know, I really can't afford much more than a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand dollar home, and you're really ain't getting shit for a hundred and fifty thousand. And I was like, dude, just be patient, because I have a feeling, <laughs> and and it's not good. I mean, fortunately, we own our house and whatever, and we refinanced a few years ago, and we got a kick ass interest rate, so we're good here. But um, shit's about to hit the fan. And whether that's tomorrow, literally tomorrow, uh, next week or next month, I don't, I don't know. But it's coming. Now, on the show I did that I let you guys listen to a little bit of it, in August, I predicted, that was in, that was in 21, I predicted four to, four to six years out. I said 25 to 27. I may be wrong. It may be now. But I think what we're going to look at hitting us first is hyperinflation. Now, on that show in August of 21, I talked about hyperinflation back in Germany in in 1920s. And what that was was it was literally cheaper for the people of Germany to burn their money, like literally burn their money, than it was for them to buy heating oil to heat their home. It was literally cheaper for them to put the money in the fireplace and burn it than it was for them to buy heating oil. That's what hyperinflation essentially is. Now, this article, mind you, it's from the WEF. Okay? And the reason I picked this article was because I'm a member of the WEF. No, I'm joking. Is <laughs> because it's from the WEF. So anyone listening to this that might be like, oh, this guy's full of shit. This is... Your people. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm going to just kind of scan through this and pick out the pieces that benefit me. No, I'm joking. I don't need to read the whole article because it goes through the history 
of hyperinflation. So like hyperinflation has been around since the French Revolution. Cool. Whatever. I'm worried about now. <laughs> so now this article was also written back in June of 22. Okay, so, you know, essentially this is saying the last time we saw inflation levels this high was back in the 70s. Um, I, I got to find the part that I read that made me want to keep this article, and, I, and I'll tell you why here in a, in a minute when I find it. While different countries have different economic climates, a number of common factors have contributed to inflation increases. Soaring energy bills are the biggest culprit, driven, well, of course, they're going to throw this part in, driven by the war in Ukraine. Then there's the runaway rise in fuel prices, not to mention the upsurge in global food prices, increased cost of raw materials, and in fact, in, uh, the effect of climbing interest rates on things like mortgage payments, squeezed salaries, and worldwide economic clawing its way back from a pandemic. So, hyperinflation. Here's an explanation of what hyper, hyperinflation is. So, hyperinflation goes beyond inflation. Basically, it's incredibly rapid inflation. So, if you're living in a country gripped by hyperinflation, you'd know about it. Like, we would know. Now, and I think this article explains it. So, like, we feel that thing is, that, that life is hyperinflated. Right. Every day, every time you go grocery shopping, it seems like you're spending a little bit more money. And I think, I think, and, and like I said, I'm not an economist. I'm just a regular dude with a full-time job and a part-time podcast. But my opinion on hyperinflation is this. I think that we are creeping into hyperinflation, but what they, quote-unquote, they are doing they're baby-stepping us into hyperinflation. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that here in just a second. So it refers to a situation where the price of goods and services rise uncontrollably over a defined period of time. In general, the term is used when the rate of inflation increases more than 50% a month. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think you'll ever see the 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 dictionary uh definition of hyperinflation you're not at chances are we're not going to see a 50 percent jump they're they're baby stepping us into it right we've talked about this over the past two years what eight percent nine percent seven percent six percent we've we've looked at a constant six plus percent um, inflation rate every month since numbnuts has been in office, right? Now, I'm not necessarily blaming Joe Biden. And then I think the thing that pisses me off, and I'll get back to this article here in a second, the thing that pisses me off about that is this. Whenever you find a video of, of Biden talking about inflation, oh, it's not an American thing. It's, it's all across the world. Everyone's dealing with it. I've told you guys this time and time again. The U.S. dollar controls the world i'm not bragging i'm not saying haha we're better than you i'm not saying that it but it is what it is the u.s dollar controls the, the world which is why you're seeing these things happen in most of the world you're not seeing it happen in these countries that have joined the BRICS nations 
as crazy as that sounds. Why? I don't know. That we'll have to get into that. But typically, hyperinflation is triggered by very quick growth in the money supply. This could be caused by a government printing money to pay for its spending, or what is known as demand pool inflation. The latter happens when a swell in demand exceeds supply, launching prices higher. Listen to that paragraph, and I'm going to click over real quick to another article. This was just this past year. 80% of all dollars in existence have been printed in just the past two years. Let me switch back to this one. It's caused by government printing money for its spending. Now, what are we looking at happening right now? You know, regardless of what we just talked about, what's going on in Congress? They're still fighting over the debt ceiling. They're still fighting over spending. Here's the thing. Democrats want to spend money. They want to tax. Republicans don't want to tax, but they don't want to spend money. You've got to find common ground. I'm not clamoring for more taxes. Trust me. I. But the GOP's idea is if we quit spending fucking money, right? So how do we quit spending money? Well, number one, we quit sending all the fucking money to, to Ukraine. I'm sorry that whatever's happening over there is happening. Whatever it is. Because I'm finding all sorts of different stories. And that is literally a show for another day. But that is not our problem. We are, we are literally, we, this country, are ruining the world's economy. Starting here. I said in past shows recently, the world economics go as the dollar goes. So, what does it all mean? In short, when more money is funneled into circulation, the real value of the country's currency can plummet. Therefore, when measured in terms of impact on people's life, hyperinflation can be devastating. Prices of ordinary essential goods, such as bread, coffee, and tea, can rise on a daily basis. Now, tell me we're not seeing that. We're not seeing 50% jumps. I get it. We're not seeing something be a dollar today and two dollars tomorrow. But, like I said, every time you go to the grocery store, barring something being on sale, I'm just talking everyday goods. If it's, you know, whatever, milk, bread, you know, whatever, eggs, it seems like every week, if you buy that stuff on a weekly basis, it's a little bit more expensive. I'm not saying dollars more. It might be 10 cents more. It might be a quarter more. It might be so little that you're really not paying attention because you you might not look at it. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I'm thinking we're falling into this hyperinflation without it being so drastic. It's slowly matriculating. Usually, this time of year, people spend money. Um, why is that? Because you get your tax returns, you know, and you go and you go to Walmart, you go wherever, and you blow it on fucking stupid shit. That's not happening. 
people are actually starting to think, okay, well, we got a $5,000 tax return. We might want to hold on to it. Now, who's to say that $5,000 is worth $5,000 in a month? I don't know. Um, how many times has this happened before? It doesn't really matter. I mean, obviously, probably the last biggest time we've seen it was back in the 20s, 1920s. Um, and, and, you know, it, it focuses around Germany, which I talked to you about, and that's the hyperinflation part of it. But in essence, it affected the world, the hyperinflation. So, you know, looking at 22, like I said, this article was written back in 22, there's probably no need to panic. Yes, increasing inflation can lead to procurinary measures, but hyperinflation is essential. Uh, essentially, a situation where currency is meaningless. Okay, so let's fast forward to today or to yesterday or to Thursday. Why is what's happening happening? Well, essentially, it's about U.S. bonds. Now, uh, China owns a ton of U.S. bonds because, you know, we just let whoever buy that shit. They're selling it off, which is decreasing the value, which is why Silicon Valley's numbers dip below their deposits. You understand what I'm saying? Now, what does this mean for the rest of us? Let's say you don't have $300,000 in the bank. That's fine. I'm not, haha, you don't have three. I'm not saying that. But you might have a nice chunk of money in your 401k or your uh, stock purchasing, whatever company you work for. You might have a nice pension for whatever company you work for. Where is that money going to, is that pension, is that 401k, are those stocks going to be there? It's, it's not good. I go back to the inflation calculator. And now late, lately, I think last month, the, the inflation number was at 6.4%, right? The new numbers come out, oddly enough, on Tuesday. But I, I've said this time and time again. You can sit there and be Joe Biden, come out and say, oh, look at that inflation for March or uh, not March. It would be January. So the last one was January. Uh, inflation for January was at 6.4%. See, I told you it's coming down. Coming down from what? Because the year before it was 9%. You're just coming down from the high, but it's still high. So go back two years. So... Okay, here we go. Inflation calculator, guys. This is a website. I'm not, this isn't me doing DTOM math here on the freaking, uh, you know, table here. This is usinflationcalculator.com. Look at it yourself. There's an inflation calculator. Okay. So if in 2021, you had a dollar, you paid a dollar for something. Okay. In 2023, you now be paying a dollar 10. Okay. Well, that's only 10 cents. What's the big deal? <laughs> to use Joe Biden talk, that's 10%. Okay, let's up that. Okay, so let's say a price, uh, a gallon of milk was uh, 3 
in uh, in 21. I, I don't know if that's accurate, but let's just say it was. Now it's 441. That's probably about right. You understand? Let's see. If a bag of chips two years ago was, uh, well, $5 or 4 Let's see, four twenty nine. Let's see, a bag of chips was four twenty nine two years ago. Now they're four seventy four. Is that accurate? I don't know. I see some chips that are over five dollars a bag. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? So the numbers are kind of skewed because they take a lot of things into account when it comes to inflation. So you could be seeing a situation of hyperinflation. What was it, 50%? In uh, Germany, 1923, it was 29.4%. Are we there yet? Are we getting there? It's, I don't have any answers for you. I really, I really don't. And that worries me because if I don't have answers for you, guess who else I don't have answers for? <laughs> me. Do I rush out to the bank tomorrow and, and empty my bank account and my, uh, my savings account? Well, I mean, no. Because, okay, I empty my bank account and I have whatever that dollar amount is in cash. Well, what good is that cash, really? I, 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 I'm hoping... Like I said, I'm not an economist. I'm not a financial wizard. But I'm hoping that since I know I don't have more than $250,000 in the bank, that it's safe. That if something happens, God forbid, you know, it's, it's, it's fine for now. I hope. I hope. I'm with you guys. I, I, I see the history. I see what happened back in the 20s and the 30s with, with the Great Depression. Do I dare want to even kind of think that that's going to happen? No. And I'm not saying, you know, this is all Biden's fault. I'm not saying it's Trump's fault. I don't know whose fault it is. Of course, if you ask a Democrats, they're blaming Trump. Once again, here's another thing that's happened under Biden's watch that's Trump's fault. Guys, I'm going to tell you this for the 15th hundred time. Trump is not president, hasn't been president for fucking two plus years. You can't keep blaming a president from two plus years ago. Every Have you noticed that lately everything that's gone wrong in this country, it's Trump's fault. So let me ask you this. To get off the subject of inflation and we're all going to die. If Trump was such a shitty president and his policies were so bad, why is it that the Biden administration is actually going to reinitialize Trump's border policy? If these things are so bad. My point being is you can't sit there and blame an ex-president two years after he's been out of office for the things that are happening under your watch. Because you had no problem taking all the credit for all the jobs you created when really all you had to do was stop the fucking pandemic and those jobs were going to come back. It just pisses me off. All right. I got one last little thing. Speaking of the WEF. So, see how I wrote this down. This was actually how I was going to start the show, but this other stuff kind of popped up. So, the WEF suggests a one-child policy in America, but for only a certain race. 
you guys want to take a gander at who that is? White people. This is the racist segment of the show. Yes, because even though only white people get blamed for being racist, as we can well tell, we're going to take a German, a German <laughs> leader of the WEF, Klaus Schwab, and he's going to tell us that only white people should have one child. Because I guess this is China now. So Klaus Schwab's WEF is now calling for the U.S. to impose a strict one-child policy on all white families in an effort to promote diversity, reduce inequity, and usher in a new era of post-politics in which nobody in society disagrees on major policy issues. Uh, we are going to come back to the WEF's latest talking point of post-politics in a future video. I don't know what the fuck that's about. Swash, uh, swash, Swab's new policy for America is clearly influenced by Chinese social policy, which should come as no surprise. The WEF leader appeared on Chinese TV recently praising the Chinese Communist Party's social policies while arguing that white people, which I think he's white, pretty sure Klaus Wei am is he, can we, can we do some, he's white, yeah, he is white, in America are no longer relevant to the West's plans for global progressive change. So there you go. So essentially, call me crazy, but the way I'm reading that is the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and Klaus Schwab wants to rid the world of American white people, not European white people or uh, whoever, wherever there's white people, Caucasians, whatever, whatever we are. So... It sounds kind of sounds kind of Germany 20 1920, doesn't it? Huh. Interesting. Anyway, with that, I'm going to go ahead and close out the show, guys. Please make sure that you are following the show. Whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, go ahead and hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button, whatever it is. If you're on uh, Apple or Spotify, uh, shoot us a rating, preferably a five-star. Uh, those of you that are listening to this on Samsung Free, I'm not sure if there's a rating system, but if there is, I would appreciate a five-star or ten-star or whatever the options there are. <laughs> if you guys want to leave a review, that would be great too. And like I said, if you want to follow us on our website, it's don'ttreadonamerica.com. From there, you can subscribe to the website. I'm not going to spam you with a bunch of crap. Uh, you can also send me emails from there. If you have any questions or ideas or whatever, you can send them there. Uh, also, you can do that on Facebook and Instagram at Don't Tread on America and on uh, the Twitter machine at DTOM underscore 1775. Guys, please keep sharing this. Keep doing the things you're doing. The podcast is growing. We're doing great things. And like I said, I'm very well, depending on what happens tomorrow, very well could be back tomorrow or Tuesday. I will definitely be back Wednesday. And with that being said, guys, I will talk to you again later. Have a great day and uh, be safe.